Podcast, a weekly podcast that rotates between true crime, conspiracy theories, folklore, urban legends, a little bit of this and a little, a little bit of that, that to provide you what we consider a weird distraction from everyday life. I'm one of your hosts, Alex, and as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host and my best friend, Christy. And this week we are back talking paranormal, but before we do that, we've got a lot of housekeeping to talk about. Just a smidge. Just a smidge. So, rapid fire, first things first, we joined another network. Booyah. Yes. So, now we are a part of the Cultivate Network. We are joined by some of our favorite podcast creators in this new indie network podcast. So, definitely stay tuned and kind of enjoy the ride with us as we are doing right now in 2022. In terms of what this means for the podcast, well... First things first, we're still with Oracle. We still will be supporting their network and be a part of their network and- Appreciative of it. Very appreciative of it. And, you know, still be promoting the other shows within that network. We're also gonna be promoting episodes in the Cultivate network. You're gonna see a lot more collaborations um, in terms of the Cultivate kind of change of things. We have switched to a new podcast platform. So we are no longer with Anchor. We are now with Captivate which means you girls might be doing some ads in the future. We don't really know what that looks like quite yet, but stay tuned and we will probably announce once we do start doing ads. That way everyone has a heads, heads up. up. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and they're all like, cut to our ad. They're like, oh. Yeah, oh, what is this? Why are we doing this? So mm -hmm. there's that. And you know, if there's any other questions or, you know, concerns, confusion, confusia, definitely check out our social media posts that we posted on January the 3rd. Other updates include a new Weird Destinations post, which will be available on January 12th over on Patreon, as well as a new Weird Spam episode, which will be out on January 15th, also on Patreon. And yeah, that's kind of it for, I think, Patreon updates. On, I think so. Yeah, yeah. And then on top of that, because the update train ain't done yet, uh, definitely check out the Let's Start a Cult podcast hosted by our fellow Canadian friend, Josh. We were so privileged to be on his show and talk about Scientology, which was amazing and fun and mm. scary and terrifying, but great. It was Hopefully no one comes for us. Yes, hopefully no one comes for us as well I was able to join the lovely Jules from Riddle Me That podcast to discuss the unsolved murder of Betty Shanks, as well as the Corsicana fruitcake fraud case. So definitely check both podcasts out. And that is it for updates. I think we can put a ribbon and bow on that. But now it's time for us to discuss what we need distraction from this week. And before we recorded, we actually talked about what we were going to pick for a distraction. And we both mutually came to the same conclusion. Christy, you want to tell them what we, we decided to make a distraction for this week for the two of us? Yes, mutually. Um, fuck Omicron. Fuck <laughs> Omicron. Fuck this panorama and fuck a bing bong. Fuck your life. It is a new year, new lockdown in Ontario, Canada, and your girls are really sad about it. We're just going to leave it at that because we're mad, sad, not happy, not glad, but... 
I think it's time now to discuss a paranormal hotspot. What do you say? Yes, please. All right. So for this week's distraction, I thought it'd be cool to start off 2022 with a new Jersey paranormal hotspot called the Ayers Allen House. As always, before we dive into the reported haunts, we'll discuss the history so we have an idea of who or what could be providing the documented spooks. I'm going to lay a blanket of trigger warnings for this episode as I will be mentioning suicide, lynchings, and potential other topics that may not be suitable or easy to listen to. Listener discretion is advised. The Ayers Allen House was built by Jonathan Ayers and his family in 1740 in Mutuchin, New Jersey. For those who have never heard of Mutuchin, New Jersey, it's a suburban borough in Middlesex County, according to Wikipedia. Further referencing good old Wikipedia, it reportedly had an estimated population of 14,543 in 2019. But, bumping. Yeah, a little bit bumping. Back to the house, uh, it reportedly boasts two floors, three bedrooms, three fireplaces, along with custom Dutch doors. From the outside looking in, especially now, it seems like a very quaint, cute home. Jonathan's family was probably one of the founding families in Mutuchin and would occupy the area for some time. Once he passed away, apparently his grandson, Zachariah Allen, would go on and own the home. When Zachariah was in possession of the home, he supposedly used to have a portion of it opened as a tavern for locals and Revolutionary War soldiers to enjoy a pint or two. Which I feel like is kind of nice. Good way to make business, I guess. There's a little maybe brewing there. Yeah, just a little brewskis happening in the back porch. I don't know. I didn't really... France, pour drinks. Yeah. Revolutionary war soldiers as well. I don't know (laughs) if they're friends or not, but... uh, We serve them. (laughs) we, We serve them as well. After the Revolutionary War ended, the home was speculated to be part of the Underground Railway, assisting slaves escape to freedom. The home would reportedly be passed down through the Ayers and Allen family until it was sold to the Wales family in 1924, and then they sold it to the Cadison family sometime in the 1940s. The home was then purchased by Louise King, a local school teacher, and her husband Samuel in 1947. Louise would reportedly go on and pass away within the home in 1997, having lived in the home by herself for 50 years as her husband passed away before her sometime in 1960. It was when the Kings moved into the home that the documented paranormal activity began. However, we're not at the ghost side of things quite yet. We're close, but we're not there. We still have a little bit more history to talk about. All right. In terms of further important to mention happenings on the property, I came across a couple of different reported deaths that took place either on site or nearby. For starters, the home is supposedly located near a former Revolutionary War battlefield. So in other words, lots of presumed bloodshed probably happened there. A little bit of death, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a war ground, so you know, death. You died. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, I can't confirm numbers or anything like that. I didn't get into that kind of wormhole of information, but... It's probably a mini cemetery now. Basically, yeah. So according to the Central Jersey website, a soldier allegedly died by hanging himself in one of the upstairs bedrooms of the home. On top of that, there was allegedly two Native Americans that were unjustly pinned for another murder of a 10-year-old boy. The two Native Americans were allegedly hung from a tree in the backyard of the Ayers Allen home. What? 
Yeah. That's sad. I had tried to find any further records into this story. However, because of it being a lynching and because documented history can be whitewashed, mm -hmm. I struggled to find names, dates, or any further details. What I was able to further find in terms of the lynching story itself is what I heard on the Holzer file episode. In the episode, local historian Mark Moran explained the story in which he further shared that it is believed that the Native Americans were actually innocent and we will touch on this story later on in more detail. Speaking of Native American roots to this location, according to Mark, the Lenny Lenape tribe is the most predominant one in that area and has been for many generations. It was speculated on the Holzer Files episode that there may have been a curse on the land that the Ayers Allen house is on. However, it's not clear if this is from the spe that specific tribe or if it is simply purely speculation. The home is currently owned by Stephen and Tyrene Reuter, who purchased the house sometime in 1998. In a weird twist to the story, Tyrene Reuter, who reportedly grew up in northwestern Connecticut, actually lived in a home prior to that Louise King had lived in prior to when Louise bought the Ayers Allen home. So they both lived in two of the same houses without apparently knowing each other at all. It's random. Isn't that weird? How would you not know, have some kind of interaction? I don't know. I mean, as far as my understanding, Tyreen was a kid when she lived in Louise's previous home in northwestern Connecticut, so I don't think she would have an interaction with her then. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I know when Tanner and I bought our home, like, I never met the woman that owned the home before. I just... I mean, this dude would get a name and know, like, oh, I lived in her house again or something like that. True. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that would have worked out. But according to what I gathered in the Holzer Files episode, I don't think they really knew until Tyreen took over the Ayers Allen house. Mm, okay. That I was like, oh, okay, it's Louise. Mm, again. Yeah, I'm back owning Louise's <laughs> house again kind of thing, which I feel like that, that's kind of interesting. Like you're in a completely different state. You're following someone's like, yeah, purchases. Yeah, exactly. So now with the history and the beginnings of the weird tidbits that I've kind of obviously mentioned, I think it's time we shift gears and discuss the reported haunts at this location. What do you say, Christy? You mean the spooks? All right. So as previously mentioned for this case, watch the episode of The Holzer Files, which... I was able to stream thank you to Discovery Plus. <laughs> of course. Yes, I am making use of my Discovery Plus account. For those who have never seen the show, it follows paranormal investigator Dave Schrader, psychic medium Cindy Kazaa, or Kaza, equipment expert Shane Pittman, and researcher Gabe Roth as they investigate the former case files of America's first documented ghost hunter, Hans Holzer. What's cool about this show, on top of, you know, looking at all these different cases that the first ghost hunter of America did. It's already cool enough. It's already cool enough. Is that uh, this group of people, they actually consult with Hans's daughter, Alexandra. So she's still alive and kicking. Mm. And so they consult with her, I think, every episode. I mean, every episode that I've watched so far. Mm -hmm. And they talk about her experiences growing up with her dad in these specific cases and how he would talk to her sometimes about kind of these cases that would keep him up at night or that left him questioning, you know, mm. what was going on. And it's, it's just really interesting. I would definitely recommend the show. She never, like, went with the haunts, though. I don't think so. So it would kind of be traumatizing. Well, as a child, for sure. <laughs> as a teenager, an adult, I don't know if she did. Okay. Can't answer that fully, but I may discuss Hans in a future episode, so I won't get into his background in depth. 
But Hans did investigate the Ayers Allen house back in 1960, along with psychic medium Ethel Johnson Mayer. To break down the spookiness of this location, I'm going to first discuss Hans's investigation, then the Halzer Files episode and their investigation before wrapping things up with general reported accounts. Noise. So as mentioned, Hans and Ethel went to the Ayers Allen house in March of 1960 when it was occupied by Louise King. Louise reported that she was experiencing random knocks within the then 220 year old home, which saying that out loud kind of seems par for the course. Like your house is 220 years old. I'm sure there's going to be some knocks and yeah, like weird sounds. Potentially ghosts. It's like pipes and walls and wind shifting and animals. And, and yeah, God knows what kind of things are in the walls. Yeah, exactly. However, what doesn't sound par for the course is her reporting that she began encountering an, a shadow figure that would wake her up every evening standing over her while she slept in her room. That's terrifying. Yeah, that's, that's more, you know, spooky ooky. Yes. Knocks in a 220 year old home. I get that. Someone sitting over your bed? Don't really understand how that happens, but Alas, the shadow figure reportedly would just stare at her before vanishing into thin air. Gross. Yeah, I don't like that. Louise allowed for Hans and Ethel to do an investigation and a seance, being the first and, for a long time, the only ones allowed to do a paranormal investigation at the home. So this was a pretty big deal. Mm -hmm. They would be the first and few that could do it. Exactly. They were permitted under the promise that they would not rid or scare away the ghosts within the home. During the seance done within the home, Ethel was reportedly in a trance when she reportedly described seeing men standing in presumably the home's backyard looking at the Native Americans that they had hung. So the way that it was described in the episode was there were white men looking at the tree where the two Native American men were hung. Mm. Yeah. So she was seeing this imagery. In the Holzer Files episode, you can hear an audio recording from the seance, which I'm going to directly quote. And I will just say, um, Ethel uses a term that I don't think is necessarily politically correct now in 2022. Mm. It's not my wording, it's Ethel's wording. I'm just repeating what was said. Quote. Yes. So, quote, Hans, what is it that you see? Ethel. There are men all standing there. They put those Indians in the tree. Do you hear them moan? They didn't do it. Ethel again. Now I see four large mugs and one small one. There are four Indians done something they should not have. They want to make peace, end quote. What are your thoughts on that, Christy? Yeah, I don't agree with that. (laughs) What don't you agree with? Any of the terms she used. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, the, the word of Indian. No, it's, it's, no. yeah, no, no. But what are your thoughts on, uh, besides the not great terminology? Well, like for her to say they did something they shouldn't have done. Like, she doesn't know. She wasn't there. Well, and then I get confused because there, the story that I got out of the episode was it's two Native Americans, right? That were unjustly lynched, basically. Yeah. But then she's saying she's seeing four. So were these four part of... The men standing there watching? Or were they part of the tribe that maybe was coming to get justice? Like, yeah. it's, it's, really, it's really confusing. Mm-hmm. From what I gathered in the Holzer Files episode, Hans was under the perspective that there were multiple layers of hauntings taking place within the home. With these layers of hauntings, I'm assuming he may have meant that they were all attributed by the numerous alleged deaths and tragedies that took place nearby or on site throughout a long range of time. On top of that, Hans allegedly believed that there was some form of dark energy that was and potentially still is residing in the home. So you've got a house that at the 
time that it was first investigated in 1960 was 220 years old. Mm-hmm. You've got a lot of potential reported deaths, maybe non, maybe some that weren't reported, happening on site and nearby. Yes. Throughout 220 years. Mm-hmm. So you've got all these different layers of grief and trauma and energy left within a home that has seen many families come in and out, many people come in and out. And then on top of that, what I'm gathering or what I gathered is that Hans thought, okay, there's also something dark in this house. There's one entity that is dark and creating a dark negative force in the home as well. What are your thoughts on that? From where? That's where things get a little bit tricky in terms of what is it and where is it coming from? Are you gonna tell me? Potentially. Okay. Maybe. I don't know, we'll we'll, we'll figure it out as we go along. So this dark energy, Hans believed, may be influencing the other supposed spirits within the home. However, I don't necessarily know the reasons behind this per se. So no, I can't answer your question from before. (laughs) I know, we had to turn the page to get to it. But I think... I think in the Holzer Files episode, they were trying to figure it out, but even then they couldn't. And because... They just felt like something dark, but that was all they knew. Yeah, that it was just something dark, but that's all they knew. That's all they really were able to pinpoint. That, like, that there's all these different layers, and within those layers or outside of those layers is one dark energy that's almost like... Influ- well, it is influencing the other spirits, apparently. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, cool, 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 cool. So now considering that there may have been some kind of dark energy in the home, one would think that Louise may have wanted Hans and Ethel to clear the home of such potential negative energy. However, this was not the case as previously mentioned. From what was stated in the episode, Louise was very attached to the home and potentially to the spirits. Even though there may have been a potential dark energy within the home, she did not want Hans or Ethel to rid her home of this, which allegedly confused Hans until his dying day. Because realistically, if there is something toxic or negative in your life you want to cut that shit out yeah whether you have good ghosts or bad ghosts or whatever like something dark in there you you don't want to cleanse everything you want something gone at least like the dark part of it yeah i i mean i don't know the whole cleansing rituals and you know can you keep certain entities can you get rid of certain Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i feel you know it'd be a lot more intense than just separating your colors from your whites when you're doing laundry but yeah like if if there's something dark in the house and you'd want to probably rid it of that at least yeah you would think but which then makes me wonder is whatever negative entity in the home controlling whomever is in the home Mm. to make them think no i don't want to get rid of everything in the home including the negative energy maybe almost like a very gaslighting manipulative relationship which we don't stand for that in 2022 or ever before and in the future. No can do. No can do. So now I think it's time to discuss what took place when the Holzer File crew went for a more recent investigation. The Holzer Files episode aired in October of 2019 and the episode itself was called Possessor's Curse. Oh, lovely. Yes. (laughs) Very spot on. Very spot on as to what we were just talking about. Yes. (laughs) There was a, I was trying to segue into it a little bit. I'm not going to lie. The previously mentioned Reuter family allowed for the crew to investigate their house, which hadn't been investigated since 1960. So now this is the second investigation ever done, which I will have to say there's a lot of- With new owners. With new owners. Yeah. So Louise King allowed, yeah. So she died. She actually died in the home. Forgot to mention that. Yeah. She died in the master bedroom of the home. New ghost. Yeah. Basically. 
quickly. And so she, when she was alive, she allowed Hans and Ethel go in. Yes. And then since 1960, nobody else has been in mm. until, I'm going to say roughly 2019. I don't know when the investigation actually took place, but the episode was aired in October of 2019. Mm-hmm. So, which that's quite some time in between. Some more things to kind of rile up out of the nooks and crannies. Yeah. So during the initial interview, Dave interviewed Tyreen Reuter, who once again has owned the home since 1998 with her husband and two sons. Tyreen did share some of her own experiences within the home during the episode, one being something horrifying that took place once she got possession of the home. She noted that she was dealing with the windows, which I believe are the original windows from when the home was built in 1740. So that sounds a little drafty. That sounds drafty, moldy, and awful. I mean, I'm sure they probably kept it up to snuff, but still. And so basically, Tyreen's, you know, fiddling around the windows. She's trying to open them up. She's having difficulty because, once again, they're from 1740. Probably, like, painted shut. Basically. Well, I mean, actually, I shouldn't say basically, but you never know. Maybe. Who Mm -hmm. knows? And she apparently began questioning out loud whether buying such an old home was such a good idea, given the fact that she was more than likely frustrated being unable to open these ancient windows. So I think anytime you move into a new space, if something happens, you kind of question, oh, like, why did I do this? Mm-hmm. You know, because you're frustrated and it feels as if, you know, you, you, you put all this money and energy into something. If it doesn't work, it's like, oh, I shouldn't have done this to begin with. I should have just, you know, called it a day, not purchased this home or rented this apartment or done whatever. Yes. It's frustrating, right? I feel that with all the painting I need to do in here. Yeah, and I feel that at my home too. Like, I I think this is a very normal reaction. Yes. Right? So, apparently, saying this out loud may have uh, ticked off the spirits within the home, as she recounted in the episode that the window then opened up by itself and then slammed down on her fingers. (laughs) The ghost literally said, uh, fuck your life. Bye. (laughs) Yeah. You're here now, bitch. Like, let's open up the window. (laughs) And trap you. Yeah, you want the windows open? (laughs) Here you go. Like, how scary would that be? though. I can't imagine being in that situation where you're just sharing your frustrations, just airing them out, and then all of a sudden your knuckles get crunched. Yeah, I'd be a little terrified a little bit. I just don't sleep, I don't to sleep that night. No, well. I don't know if I'd sleep in the house ever again, period. She then explains another encounter where she was washing dishes and reportedly heard the sound of marbles being poured into a glass jar. After investigating, though, she was unable to determine how the sound could be made, i.e. not finding any marbles in a glass jar anywhere in the home. So kind of odd, right? She's hearing a very specific sound, but isn't able to locate the sound specifically. Behind the walls? But still, like, why would there be a glass jar of marbles behind the walls? Maybe that's not the specific noise she's hearing, the way she just thinks she hears. True. It could be something completely different. Maybe it's the water softener. Who knows? I doubt that it's I, I doubt softener. it, but still. <laughs> okay. <laughs> However, throughout the years, Tyreen and others that have visited the home have found marbles throughout the home, very randomly, just random marbles... Like one marble in the kitchen, one in the dining room, one in one of the upstairs bedrooms, and sporadically too. Like I'm not just talking about one day they found all these marbles in a box and it's like, oh, that's where the sound came from. It's almost, the way it was described to me, it seems as if it was sporadically done and in sporadic places and very random places throughout the house as if someone was putting them there. We're talking like over years yes. or like day? Okay. Yes, over like years. Ever oh. since she's, as far as I know, ever since the Rooters have owned the home, they randomly find marbles. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So apparently they think that these marbles may have been owned by one of the previous children that lived in the home. They're playing with them. 
Yeah, but that's fucked up. <laughs> that's scary as hell. Nobody plays with marbles anymore. Like, get a Nintendo Switch. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Fuck. But... Yeah, it's it's one of those things where no matter which way you frame it, it's creepy, right? A little bit, yep. Yeah, and then it just kind of reminds you that this house is very old and has had many people go in and out of it. Yeah, right? to begin with before they even bought it. Exactly. Tyree reported in the episode to never feel alone while in the home and ultimately admits to noticing a change in her demeanor and behavior since moving into the home. Mm. She indicated that she rarely wants to leave the home and typically does things that may be better for the home than her family, which I assume it means holding back on renovations or upgrades that a 300-something-year-old home may require. Um, That's potentially called possession. Once again, the episode episode title is Possessor's Curse. So I, on the nose, I think that might be what this negative entity in the home is doing. I think it might be... Like leeches onto the like, yeah. owners this way. And it kind of allows for the negative spirit and the other spirits to stay in the home without the home changing because, you know, it, there is a belief that some haunted homes or haunted places, locations, become mm -hmm. more active, potentially in a negative sense, if new owners come in and do renovations. I think oh, yeah. this, this isn't new news, especially mm -hmm. if you're interested in, in, you know, the paranormal. If someone goes into, let's say, a haunted home or a reported haunted home that's been around for decades and starts tearing down walls and stuff, that's when the most activity is reported, right? Because mm -hmm. you're changing something that whatever entity was there before is attached to, you're potentially going to be removing. Yeah, it doesn't have or doesn't want that change to happen, right? That in their mind, it's their home still. Yes. So this makes me think that Tyreen and her family may have postponed doing any work within the home in order to appease whatever else is residing there. In the interview that Dave did with Tyreen, he brought up how in the recordings of the seance, there was this moment where Ethel says that that she sees four large mugs and one small one. Dave points out that in Tyreen's dining room where they're doing the interview, mm -hmm. she has four large mugs and well, one small one hanging up on the walls, which is kind of like another odd factor to this. It could just be coincidence, but it's interesting how Ethel, the psychic medium back in 1960, saw these mugs that are in that spot now. That, that are in this spot now in potentially 2019. Creepy. Yeah, what are you, do you think that's just coincidence or do you think that maybe Ethel was looking into the future and seeing Tyreen's mugs? Coincidence. Coincidence? That's fair. I, I, I'm kind of between both. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to say in between both, and okay. we're just going to leave it at that. So now I'm going to discuss what took place during the Holzer Files investigation further. So psychic Cindy indicated during her initial walkthrough of the location that she was seeing images of trees along with feet dangling from said tree, hmm. which goes back to the previously mentioned story of the Native American men being unjustly hung from the tree. Cindy nor Ethel reportedly didn't know this story before their walkthroughs, so the fact that they both picked up on that story on two separate occasions, once in 1960 and then again in 20, potentially 2019, mm -hmm. I think says a lot. Yeah, if you don't know it and then you see that, you're like, well, that's something. Yeah, it's, it could be a coincidence, but I feel it's too on the nose to be a coincidence. Mm -hmm. Cindy also indicated that she was picking up on there being a Native American presence of sorts being in the home as well, along with the potential presence of Louise King. She reportedly saw the distinct image of crows, just 
kind of flying around, I guess, I don't really know, whilst being in the home. So I don't know if just like an image of crows kind of popped into her head while she was walking around. But regardless, later on in the episode, when the crew was reviewing their material, they caught an EVP of someone saying Ahasak, which is actually spelled A-H-A-S-A-K. In the episode, Dave explains that this reportedly means crows in Lenny Lenape, aka another weird connection. So you have this Native American tribe that has been in the area for many, many, many moons. This is their language. This is their language. Oh, okay. And you have an EVP of someone saying crows in that language mm. caught. When she sees crows. Yes. Interesting. Well, not. I don't think it was exactly when she saw the crows. And no, then, but like she had seen yeah. that at some point. Yeah, exactly. So that's a weird connection in my mind. Mm -hmm. That's a little too on the nose for my liking. That's really weird. Interesting. Yes. Cindy explained in the episode that crows can be a very important symbol in the Native American culture, as it is believed they have the ability to shift between the past, present, and future. Which is further interesting because Cindy picked up on a shape-shifting presence in the home that appears to be more negative in nature. After Cindy's initial walkthrough, she and Shane met up with Dave outside, in which they witness, in live time, a force of air hit a curtain on one of the doors inside of the home. It looked as if some invisible force had face planted into the door, which is bizarre in and of itself, on top of the notion that no one was inside the home when this happened. So basically they're looking, they're watching the footage and in live time, they see what looks like, I don't know how else to describe it other than someone face planting into the door, but there's no one there, but you can see the air movement on the curtain on the door. Does that make sense? Like, like an imprint, like someone like hits the door, yeah. or like someone opens the door and like falls in. No, someone hits the door head on. Oh, okay. Yeah, like face plants into the door. Oh, okay. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Could be wind. They try to recreate it. I, no, they did. No, no. You have a valid point, but they did try to recreate it and they weren't able to. So they tried mm -hmm. to like put a fan on it. They tried to open other doors nearby in other rooms, but there was no way to recreate what was caught on camera. Mm. So it was very interesting. It's kind of also funny that potentially a ghost face planted into a door because i feel you live there the... long enough you should know where you are yeah exactly it's like if you've been there for generations you should know the layout of the land but yes. apparently not once dave shane and cindy were able to do their own joint investigation there is a scene in the episode where cindy is holding a jar of marbles inside the kitchen she indicated that to her it felt like it belonged to a boy who was killed by a family member but then one of the native americans were framed for it this is a feeling she's getting this is a feeling she's getting it's almost as if i it's think very vivid very vivid but i don't know if it's a feeling or more of like an image i would say it's more probably of an image but she's holding onto this this jar of marbles which once again the whole marble situation in this house is crazy to, be, to to start so she brought the marbles the marbles were already in the house oh so it's a jar she found it's a jar that yeah tyreen and the rest of the Ruder family have been collecting of marbles mm, since they bought the home yeah gotcha. yeah so she's holding the jar and she's like you know it, it, for some reason i'm picturing um this 10 year old boy or this young boy who you know people like he was murdered and the native americans were blamed for it but really it was a family member it wasn't them hmm. what are your thoughts on that i feel like i keep asking that you do this episode because <laughs> i just want to know what what are you thinking well i'm just confused like so is there any history to that like did the boy get murdered to know that history like did so the two native americans that i talked about earlier in the episode they were accused of a murder of sorts the ones that got lynched yes hmm. but 
I wasn't able to find details as to who they murdered. This episode makes me think that potentially they were accused of murdering a young boy. Mm -hmm. But it's not really clear because they don't say, oh, this was the boy. This is when it happened. These were the two that were accused. This is when they were lynched, right? Like, it, yeah, you know, just getting pictures, but like, there's just no, there's no details. No, dudes at the back. So yeah, like you don't know what to take at face value. Exactly. It does have an interesting tie to the story that we've obviously just been discussing throughout the episode, but mm -hmm. realistically, we don't have any further details. So we, we can't really say this is why or this is what happened. Yeah. Th this one doesn't feel like as strong of a connection to me on the paranormal side of things, but it's still fairly weird that mm -hmm. that's what she thought of holding a jar of marbles. Specifically. Exactly. So during a spirit box session in the dining room, the teen hears a large sound as if something big was thrown coming from the kitchen. During further investigating of what this was, it was determined that it was... A small spoon. Just a spoon. Yeah, just a small spoon. It is a large bang. Large bang. Small spoon. Hmm. Large bang, small spoon. Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> when Dave was discussing this with Tyreen later on, it was discovered that this particular spoon was actually kept in the dining room in a drawer of a cabinet. So they were doing the spirit box session in the dining room. This spoon was supposedly in a drawer in a cabinet within- In that room. In the room. But somebody got thrown on a wall from the other side in the kitchen in a completely different room. And this isn't like an open concept house. Cause you know. Interesting. Yeah, 1740s, they weren't really thinking open concept, right? They're thinking choppy as fuck. <laughs> yeah. So in my mind, that's really bizarre. I don't understand how that could happen unless somebody physically went into the dining room, took the spoon out of the drawer. Put it in the kitchen and it was there and, and then, then something in, happened. And then threw it in the kitchen, which mm. we don't have proof that that happened. No. So. One point for spookiness. Yes. It's also kind of interesting to note that the only one that knew of the spoon being in the cabinet was Tyrene. So it's not a, there, yeah. yeah cause, well, and it's not, <laughs> I don't think when people do paranormal investigations, I don't think they go through everybody's drawers and are like, oh, where do you keep your nice spoons? <laughs> or something that happens, they're like, where did this come from? And she's like, well, that's what's supposed to be in this room. Yeah. Yeah. In a rapid fire way to round this portion out, the crew also reportedly heard banging sounds from upstairs while downstairs, and there was no one supposedly upstairs. Uh, they reportedly felt random hot spots, which is weird because usually Usually, it's cold spots. Yeah, which is interesting. And caught an EVP of something saying, get out. Which, Ooh. that's fun. Inviting. Yes. These are all the things that I witnessed in watching the episode, which, once again, you can check it out on Discovery+. Plus. Now to talk about the other reports. It's a paranormal activity include people allegedly seeing what appears to be the apparition of a revolutionary soldier wandering around the home, along with an apparition of a woman dressed in period-style clothing who appears to be searching for someone. Like, I don't know. I don't really know how you can say that it looks like she's searching for someone without hearing her saying, oh, bye. Bobby, where are you? Yeah, like, or she'd just be walking around. Like, who would it mean she's searching for someone? Yeah. That's very specific. Very specific. As briefly mentioned earlier, people claim to find marbles randomly around the home. Those that have been in the home have reportedly heard random footsteps in areas where there is no one supposedly there, such as hearing footsteps in the room above when everyone is located downstairs, which I kind of already said, but mm -hmm. just kind of emphasize that. So that's most of the, rep well, a chunk of the reported hauntings at this home. Yeah, I feel like it's not like a ton of hauntings so much as it is people are seeing visions of yeah. certain things. Like it's still a bit paranormally, but and there's like th certain things here and there, but yeah, it's a lot of vision scene. Well, and I think we're so used to locations where there's like poltergeist activity, mm -hmm. there's things being thrown, there's screams, and there very well could be, but because this is a private residence, we don't really get the full 
yes access to what actually goes on on a daily basis mm-hmm. so to kind of summarize this this week's distraction it seems understandable to me that this almost 300 year old home would carry some history with it which may be manifesting into paranormal activity what seems peculiar to me is how attached the homeowner seemed to be with this house which someone goes above what i would consider typical typically i understand when people obsess over their home because it's it's their property it's something that they are putting money into and spending a majority of their time in however not removing potentially dark or negative spirits or holding off on important upgrades and renovations due to said spirits makes what could be considered typical to atypical to me. Spooky. Yes. It begs to question whether there is something paranormal attaching itself to those that reside in the home and maybe even using their energy to manifest into the paranormal activity that we've discussed today. That's just my pure speculation, so like take it with a grain of salt, of course. But it's interesting to kind of think about, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever specifically is going on there, whether it's part of a curse, something else that may be evil, maybe residual energy of former homeowners, or something completely else. It seems that the longer the owners allow for it to stay, the longer the haunts will continue. And just as a reminder, this is a private dwelling. Please do not try and be a looky-loo into the home or bother the rooters with trying to do your own investigation. Don't be a disrespectful asshole is what I'm trying to say. Basically. Basically. And that is the Ayers Allen House Mm. in New Jersey. I don't think we've ever been to New Jersey, or we haven't been as of yeah, New Jersey. New Jersey. So before we wrap this episode up, I've got to say a big old thank you to my resources before Christy says her little spiel. Spiel wheel. Yes. So big thank you to the Holzer Files episode from season one, episode nine, which I watched via Discovery Plus again, third time. Just got to mention it. We're not sponsored by them, but... Uh, just cheap at four ninety nine a month. Yeah. If you want to sponsor us Discovery Plus, I wouldn't say no. Uh, thank you to the Wikipedia page for the Matuchin uh, page about... M- M- I can't say it. About Matuchin, New Jersey. And I apologize if I absolutely butchered it. I did jolly phonics it but words are hard still in 2022 welcome to our podcast uh thank you to the jhelpin.com website the central jersey website uh with their article titled couple undaunted by house's ghostly history by kathy chang the active times website for their article quote the creepiest real life haunted house stories you'll ever hear by the active Times staff which was published on september 11th 2018 the travel channel website for their page on the holzer files reopens hans holzer's iconic paranormal investigations the imbd website for the Holzer Files episode list. And finally, last but absolutely not least, thank you to the Haunted Places website for their coverage on the Ayers Allen House. Yes. Yes. Now, Christy, can you tell these fine listeners how they can support the show, how they can tell us their weird stories, and ultimately just all the fabulous information that you provide at the end of every episode? Yeah, some spitting facts here, people. Straight facts. Straight facts. So you can find our show on various platforms. If you're not listening right now, you've already found us. But if you haven't, mm-hmm. you can basically Google us. What was our little spiel we said earlier today? Twi- say twi- uh, Google it. Oh, get uh, Google it or get, get fucked. fucked. Yeah, yeah that, that is my uh, new, <laughs> new motto. New, mo- new motto 2022. Google it or get fucked. <laughs> but if you go on Apple or Spotify, they now have a new rating system on Spotify. Yes. You can go and give us some stars, give some reviews. would be lovely on Apple Podcasts. Um, also, Google- And on Spotify. 
Yeah. Let's do it. But Google Podcasts, Good Pods, a bunch more. Just search for us. You will find us. We're Distractions Podcast. Yes. Also, you can look on our various media platforms that Alex still graciously follows and does all that fun stuff for. Yes. On TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you're looking for a bit more of us to kind of search for extra content, we have our Patreon page. Ooh. Um, as you heard previously in this thing, we are we have our spam um, episodes coming out this month. Yep. We also have extra content for yep. a new episode. So if you want a little bit more, go on to Patreon and search for us again we have two tiers gives different things but it's just a nice little treat right now yeah and i think still right now we have pause billing until february 2022 february 1st 2022 i had to think about that i almost said 2020 (laughs) take us back two years ago but it's 2022.0 no yeah yeah basically um so if you you want to check it out go on there see what you like and then sign up for all the time would be great give us a sprinkle of your money and we will give you a sprinkle of some content that you didn't think you needed but you did but you also going to shout our current patrons that we have going on which is tom bailey angela john alicia and lynn as always we love you the alex shout out yes yes um and then other than patreon if you want to help us out with a more monetized option we also have buy me a coffee which again is just a little bit to help out here and there a little sprinkle to the fun to help give you guys some more extra content again Mm -hmm. places to go when we can go because now that we're in a fucking lockdown again but whatever Um, but yeah, extra that way or going to Redbubble. Uh, there's always merch on there. Again, searching us, we're Distractions Podcast. Uh, basically any of our logo, you could put it on literally anything. Anything. So if you want something, just go Plastis on and we'll be on there. Plastis on. A sweater. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> Love that for you and I and everybody <laughs> involved. That buys it. Yes. Yes. And lastly, we are always looking for stories for our Lister Distraction episodes. So if you have... Um, some dreams, if you remember them when you wake up. Yes. Uh, stories, some encounters, a friend, a friend of a friend. If you want to be anonymous, anything. Ooh. I want to hear from people in New Jersey. What are other haunted places in New Jersey that we could talk about in the future? Because I feel as though New Jersey is one of those states where, I mean, I know there's a New Jersey devil and, you know, we just talked about the Ayers Allen house, but what else is going on in New Jersey? Yeah, so please send us all those goodies to Podcast at Outlook.com. Yes, and big old shout out to the Cultivate Network as well as the Oracle Network. Thank you for having us into your weird little families. We appreciate it. We're glad that you both are supporting us and we just we we just love you guys okay we love you so much as always as always and if you need a distraction we got you bye, bye.